0: The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live! Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers, taking your calls, and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's
1: Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. And you're listening to Matchlick Live. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Oh, man, look at all that stuff there. Got a lot of issues here. Uh, oh, man, look at all that <laughs> Facebook stuff. any rate, so, uh, yeah, working cameras. I've been working camera stuff today. I've been working on uh, some new stuff and uh, just trying to get some things going. And uh, my settings aren't really good right now. Let's see if I can get my settings. There we go, a little bit better. All right, uh, for camera stuff. Woo. I'll work on it, though. Hey, if you want to give me a call, eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. I want to hear from you. Give me a call, and we'll blab. It's up to you. And uh, by the way, I'll be down in uh, for the people out there in Utah. I'll be down there in Provo on Sunday, this Sunday the second, preaching at uh, City on a Hill. City on the Hill Church, I think that's what it is. And so, uh, great folks there. Nice uh, nice group of people. they will be doing Eats afterwards, and you're welcome to stay if you come up and check it out. All right, uh, the service is at 10 o'clock. Woo, how about that? Quick and slick. Let's get on the air with Rudolph from Raleigh, North Carolina. Rudolph, welcome. You're on the air. Yes, sir.
2: Do Jehovah's Witnesses believe in the
1: Trinity? No, they don't. No, they deny the Trinity. They say the is three gods, Then sometimes they represent it accurately, but no, they deny the doctrine of the Trinity. They deny that Jesus Christ is God in flesh. They deny uh the truth of the gospel. They deny Christ's resurrection. Yeah, they uh, it's you know, it's just a non Christian cult, non Christian religion. Okay. Okay. I, I
2: know some things about them, but I was wondering about that. I've heard their Bible actually says it, that Jesus is a God.
1: Yes, in John 1. I'm, not, I'm
2: not right.
1: right, in John one, they say...
0: Bible.
1: Right, yeah. They've actually altered the Bible to make it fit what they want. And this is not just me saying it. This is a fact. They've actually altered the scriptures in order to make the Bible say what they want it to say. And then they have the nerve to claim that their translation is the best. Uh, but it's not. Um, there are scholars who have offered to debate uh, the uh, Jehovah's Witness, so to speak, experts. And uh, let's just say that they don't do very well. They don't they, always ever uh, taken them up on it because they get their rears handed to them. No. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I think for the answer.
1: God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. God bless. All right. Hey, if you want to give me a call, we have three open lines, 877-207-2276. Let's get to Randall. I guess that's Randall from Kentucky. Randall, welcome. You're on the air.
3: Yes, sir. Uh, I had a question about regeneration. Uh, All right. I was listening to that. That you and Kelly Powers had, mm-hmm. and uh, it was brought up, you know, talking about being born again and everything. And he was placing the idea of regeneration and born againness, tying it to the indwelling. Whereas if this is the New Testament thing. What was going on with the Old, old Testament saints? Were they regenerated well, there's, also?
1: There's debate about what was happening, and. Uh so some say and some hold to the idea that, yeah, they were regenerated in the Old Testament, and some said, no, they were not because they didn't have the the uh, truth of the gospel having presented the sacrifice of Christ already presented. <clears throat> so that there was a kind of an indwelling, but not uh, in a permanent way. That's just one of the theories. So sometimes uh, some will say, you know, when, when uh, David said, do you not take your Holy Spirit from me, they think that that means that you can lose your salvation, but not necessarily, so some say, well, because the sacrifice hadn't been offered yet, and the Holy Spirit could not indwell a person permanently in the old testament, but I don't believe that's true. I believe that the the gospel was uh instituted by Christ, the preincarnate Christ in the garden, and that uh just as Abraham was justified by faith, you know romans four three quoting genesis fifteen six or is it seven uh, then we they would be justified the same way, and there would be a type of regeneration going on. So, I, you know, it, it's hard to exactly say, but uh, yeah, they say the same way in the Old Testament as we are the new. Okay.
3: Okay, and like in John three, like when he was talking about Nicodemus about being born mm-hmm. again, is there mm-hmm. anything that you see in that text that would cause that to be like Jesus? Saying, well, this is going to happen in the future. Because when I read it, it looks like he was saying, Well, Nicodemus, you should be getting this. So yeah. you know, kind of implying that regeneration was a thing that could happen.
1: Yeah, you should already That's understood. Again. That's right. Well, part of the reason is because when you go to John chapter three, do I have my notes in there? Uh there's a reference to Ezekiel twenty five, I believe it is, and it talks about the Lord. And uh, his work with water uh, of the, on the new birth, and so uh, it's in the Old Testament. So he's saying you should know these things. That's what's going on there. And I'm looking for it. I don't have any my notes in my uh, in my Bible program. So uh, yeah. Anyway, I got a little distracted by trying to find that. Okay. Okay. So what do you think of that discussion we had?
3: It was good. I think honestly, whenever he mentioned that part about born again things, I think where he ties it to the indwelling, it was kind of throwing the logic of the argument because like I think he was wanted to say, well, if he wasn't the old testament saints were not regenerate, then it shows, you know, they didn't have that irresistible grace and things of that nature.
1: Well it would be you know a problem. Yeah, it'd be a problem to say they weren't yeah. regenerate and they were also justified, because regeneration and and here's the question: what exactly is regeneration? And we don't know exactly what it is. It's being born again. It's being indwelt by God. There's a change in us. We know that there are certain characteristics associated with that. So uh, we know that there were people who loved God. Let's take David for example. You know, he did some pretty bad stuff, but he loved the Lord, and God blessed him. And even Abraham, it was said, was justified by faith. So if Abraham was justified by faith, that means he's saved. Well, if that's the case, how can you be saved and not be regenerate and not have God living in you and dwelling in you? It would not make any sense.
3: And that's where I'm at with it, too. Also with the circumcision of the heart, that totally sounds like regeneration for me. Yes. I it well,
1: obviously- certainly certainly seems like it. It would certainly make sense, and I found the verse. It's actually uh, uh, in uh, Ezekiel thirty six twenty five. Because Jesus says in John three ten to Nicodemus, He says, "Are you a teacher of Israel, you don't understand these things?" Well, in Ezekiel thirty six twenty five, God says, "I will sprinkle clean water on you, and I will, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from all your idols." So, some say that He probably was referring to that kind of a thing in the Old Testament. But there's some other things as well tied to that. But anyway. There you go. Right, right. Okay. So, did you? Did you yeah, during that discussion, this. did you understand the issue I was raising about the logical priority of, of regeneration preceding faith?
3: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm, but I'm totally Calvinist leaning, so I, I totally get what you're saying. I do. Yeah. I really do.
1: Yeah, and I thought he struggled with that.
3: Yeah, I think, I think for some reason. It's like, I think even the simple thing of the born-againness, I think it was tossing the ideals a little bit. I mean, I would love to hear y'all discuss it, like the tulip tape. focus on the one issue at one time. I think that would help. So I think, I don't know, that was interesting. The discussion was just a bit distracted, I think. Something was something was lacking in there.
1: Yeah, That's I will like, totally I'm, agree. I'm, something, to that. Yeah. yeah, something was lacking. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> He was, uh, let's just say, he was very antagonistic, uh, very interrupting, uh, aggressive, and and you know I had to call him on that. To, you know, got to stop. So, you know, that was part of it. But uh, and then we settled down right. and had a good conversation. Yeah. Exactly. So
3: yeah. It's like I've discussed. I mean, I've talked to both of you in the past, and both of you are you know simple guys with passion, so It's good. I enjoy it. I do. I like you okay. both. Okay.
1: Well, good. I appreciate it that.
3: Better. All right. Well, thank you for everything you do. I appreciate you,
1: sir. All right, man. God bless. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. We'll see you. Bye. All right, folks. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. We we're talking about this discussion I had uh, with someone and. Um, it was an interesting discussion. Uh, my opponent uh, became a little bit obstreperous at one point. I had to tell him, you know, you got to stop that. And, uh, and, and it got into good discussion. I talked about uh, the issue of regeneration preceding faith was one of the issues. And when I talk about this regeneration, you know, what is regeneration? Regeneration is the work of God on us and in us where he changes us. It, it's uh, likened to being born again. Uh, to be born again, we have to have a regeneration to see the kingdom of God. Well, one of the questions that we'll ask, or I'll ask, I'll deal with in the issue of the New Testament uh, Revelation of Scripture, is can you be regenerate uh, and not justified at the same time? Well, of course you you can't be. You have to be regenerate and justified. Justified means your legal declaration of righteousness. Alright, if that's the case, which comes first? Is it faith or regeneration, because to illustrate, there's a logical problem if we say temporal priority. So if we're to say, for example, that faith precedes regeneration, let's say by five seconds. I'm not saying it is five seconds, but let's just use that as a number. Let's say five seconds. If that's the case, then we have someone who's regenerate who's not a believer for a period of time, and that's a problem. It's a logical problem. How do you have that? But if you have someone who uh, is regenerate and then five seconds later becomes a believer, then you have a regenerate person who's not a believer at the same time, you know, for a period of time, and that's logically pr- a problematic. So the solution is in what we call logical priority, not temporal priority. Logical priority deals with what must come first in order for another to exist, but they happen simultaneously. For example, you turn on a light, when the light hits the light bulb, Excuse me, when the electricity hits the light bulb, when electricity hits that light bulb, light is automatically there. They're simultaneous. When light is, uh, excuse me, when electricity is there, light is also there. They both occur at the same time. But electricity is the cause of the light. The light is not the cause of the electricity, though they're simultaneous. And so, the electricity is called logically prior not temporally prior, because they're simultaneous. It's a logical priority, and the issue is that it must be there, electricity, in order for the other thing to be there, simultaneous, because it's the cause of the other. So in Reformed theology, we say that regeneration is logically prior to faith, uh, in that uh, it must be there in place in order for faith to occur, but they occur at the same time. And so God is one who regenerates us. He causes us to be born again, 1 Peter 1 3. We're born again not of our own will, John 1 13. That means God's work upon us to make us born again, make us changed, is something that God does to us. Now the result of that is that of course that we freely believe, and he grants that we believe, Philippians 1 29. So these are the arguments and these are the issues that we're talking about here, and so it's a lot of discussion. Now I'm going to say something here that I think is very important, because we need to establish unity in the body of Christ, because there are unbelievers going to hell, and there are too many people out there who uh, will say, for example, that Calvinists are cultists or don't believe in the true God or the true gospel. You know, they just, it's like, yeah, go away, you know, and they raise to a level of non-essentials. They raise it to the essentials and then judge people They cause division of the body of Christ. They're going to stop that shouldn't do that hey folks there's a break five open lines 877 207 we'll be right back
0: Matt Slick Live, taking your calls
1: at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I want you to give me a call because we have nobody waiting right now. 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Give me a call. All right. Now, um, so what we do here in the radio, of course, is I teach uh, uh, theology and I um, try and answer questions. Now I've been doing this for a long time, and doesn't mean I'm right about everything. But I want you to understand that you need to be checking what I say against Scripture. Now, Acts seventeen eleven says to be a Berean. That means you know, uh, check what they even check what Paul said against the Word of God, and he said they were noble-minded. So I, I'm thinking that as Christians who are listening, do you just trust whatever you hear on the radio? You should not do that. You should listen critically. You know, is this person saying this? And you should be able to say, well, I don't agree, or I do agree, or here's the reason I do or don't. This is important. You can't just believe what everybody's saying. This is a problem because in the world, particularly in secularism, whatever the news media says, you know, these leftist liars, they're just flat liars. They uh, start saying some people just believe them. They just believe whatever's said. And I have personally encountered people who have believed things about me personally. They're just not true. They hear things. Gossip gets started. And at any rate, it gets bad. And what I'm saying is, you know what? Do you check uh, what people say uh, against the Word of God? Do you do that? You don't have to be difficult. You don't have to get super deep and, and do an eight-hour study for one thing. But do you read that Word enough to, to be able to say, wait a minute. I don't know if that's correct or not. And do you study? because you got to do that you know and I'm encouraging people to do that and one of the ways to do that is to open your Bible up and just read it slowly I, I actually teach people when I talk about this sometimes I say look read the Bible two different ways take a chapter for example and maybe there's a verse you want to look at in that chapter right so I say take that chapter and read the chapter as fast as you possibly can just really, really fast. You're not focusing on any one thing. You're just going. You want to get the overall thing of the chapter as fast as you can. Then read it about half as fast the second time. Then go to that single verse and then read that verse or two verses, whatever it is, and then and say, okay, what's it saying in the overall context? It's a quick trick. And it works, believe it or not. It helps you see the overall context of what's going on, usually, not always, but that's a good thing to do. And I do recommend that. It sounds kind of weird, but you know what? It works. It really does. All right. Let's get on the air with Elijah from Philadelphia. Elijah, welcome. You are on the air.
2: Hey, man. How you doing today?
1: Doing all right. Hanging in there, man. What do you got, buddy?
2: Yeah. Uh, I wanted to know, what is your interpretation or understanding of Revelation 3.10, where uh, this is a famous verse where Mm preachers like to say that, you know, uh, uh, this is Jesus saying that he's going to keep us from the great tribulation, you know, rapture us out. And uh, I'm looking right here at uh, Bible Hub uh, for the Greek word, and one of the meanings that it it says on Bible Hub is that it says, uh, the testing here is experience of evil,
1: so uh, I, I just want to know what, what are your thoughts on this verse. Yeah, it's perosmos uh, uh, and uh, to tempt, temptation, trial, things like that, putting to test. So what I, you know, I say to the uh, pre-tribbers and stuff and they go to that verse, I say, well, what's the context? Who is, who's it written to? Is it written to the entire church or is it written to the Church of Philadelphia? That's what it says. To the angel of the Church of Philadelphia, right? He who is holy, who is true. I know your deeds. Uh, behold, uh, those who are the uh, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who will say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I'll make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you, because you have kept the perseverance. I'll also, also keep you from the hour of testing. Well, Wait a minute. If this is pretrib rapture, then where is it that the people are going to come down and, and bow down at the feet of the uh, Christians? Just simple. What people often do is to read one verse out of context and then misapply it. They misapply it. That's what they're doing there. It's not about the rapture, not about the Great Tribulation. It's specifically written to the Church of Philadelphia, and in the context, it talks about the wicked people bowing down before the people of Philadelphia in their church. But he says he's going to test the whole world. Okay. So he can test the whole world. Then does that mean then that it's a a rapture, excuse me, it's a tribulation period? If it is, then we have to understand how the other stuff fits in with it. Because when he says he he can test the whole world, the whole earth, we know that what came uh, after Revelation was written was the dispersion of the Jews and the Christians throughout the Mediterranean area because they were persecuted by the Roman Empire. And so it looks like that was fulfilled at that time, because the book of Revelation, a lot of people don't realize, was written in code so that those who studied the Old Testament would understand the idea of what was taught in Revelation, so that those who got the book, like the Romans and a lot of the Jews wouldn't, wouldn't understand because they didn't have the mind of Christ, they wouldn't know what was going on. So what it, a lot of people think that what's going on with the book of Revelation, it was written to the people of that time, and the people of that time understood exactly what was going on, the temptation from Philadelphia, the uh, excuse me, the uh, persecution upon the church that was going to come to them. He's going to deliver them through it, and people did. They fled, they hid themselves, they disappeared, the whole bet. And to, so for someone to say, well, this means we're not going to go through the tribulation period, it just doesn't say that. That's not what it says at all. Okay.
2: Yeah. Also, uh, I, w- I wanted to bring it to your attention. I don't. I don't know if you know this, but if you look up, because because I know you hold to uh, all millennialism, and uh-huh. uh, you know you know you uh, hold to the view that in Revelation twenty, the angel with the chains is uh, symbolic, and. Uh, 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 did you know this That in Second Peter two four, If you look up the Hebrew I mean not the Hebrew The Greek on the Strong's Lexicon On Bible Hub For the word change And then you look up The Strong's Lexicon for change In Revelation 20 uh, They actually use Two different Greek words for change Did, did, did you know that?
1: So I don't understand Wait I don't understand the one word For what? What's the word? Change?
2: They, they, they used uh, two, 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 two different Greek words For, for change
1: for king? K I N G?
2: Chain. No, Chain. I don't understand the word. C-H-A-N. Spell it. Spell the word. C H A I N.
1: Chain. Oh, chain. A chain. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, with chains. All right. So. Yeah. I'm not sure Maybe, I, I understand. Uh, okay.
2: Second Peter. Two, four, and Revelation twenty—they uh, both use two different Greek words for chain.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, I don't so see—I uh, uh, don't see uh, in the NASB. I don't see the word chain in First, Second Peter two, four. So unless what you want to say is that it's in the King James, let's see, Second Peter two, four.
2: Uh, yeah, uh, most of the. And the deliver the them onto the chains.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and chains. And there is uh, 4577 Sarah rice Let me look at it during the break, okay? Because there's a break. Okay. So I'll look at it. We'll get right back. Okay, folks, hey, please hold on. We'll be right back after these messages. Three open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back.
0: Matt Slick live. Taking your calls at 877 207 2276.
1: Here's Matt Slick. Okay, everyone, welcome back to the show. We have three open lines at the bottom of the hour 877 207 2276. Elijah, you still there? Yep, still here. All right. Yeah, this is really interesting. So I studied this during the break, and uh, it, I was really, I'm really intrigued because in the King James, let me do this, in the NASB says pits of darkness for the word chains, and the ESV says chains of gloomy darkness, the King James says chains of darkness, the New King James says chains of darkness, the RSV says uh, gloom, uh, pits of of the nether gloom, L.E.B. says, uh, "chains of darkness," and then "gloomy dungeons" in the N.I.V. And uh, so I'm like, "Wow, that's really interesting." There's these different translations. so I looked at it, and it's this, the way the N.A.S.B. translates the word. Um, let's see, get over here uh, for it's. Uh, let's see what. Oh, okay, hold on. I'm going. I, I was really getting into this actually quite a bit. So 2 Peter 2.4, and the uh, cast them into hell and pits of darkness. So the word pits there in in uh, Greek is seiris, uh, and it's the word translated as chains. And it, But when I looked at a lexicon, this is what it says, a cord... Band, a chain. In Second Peter two four, the chains mentioned are not to be understood as literal, material shackles. The expression of darkness uh, indicates that darkness itself somehow serves to restrain these fallen uh, things, uh, beings, because the word darkness, sozo, sopho, excuse me, is there so pits of darkness chains of darkness so that it doesn't make sense to say literal chains of darkness this is why the NESB says pits which seems to relate over to Jude 6 which talks about mm-hmm. the the fallen angels did not keep their first abode but has been kept or kept under uh, bonds of darkness anyway it, it's just it's really interesting uh, I, I, so I didn't have enough time to get through more, but it was like wow, I, I'm just loving what I'm seeing. So I'm not sure it helps anything, but just more information. So go ahead. What was your question? <laughs> Let's get back on track.
2: Yeah, um, my uh, my uh, question was uh, because because since the, the Greek word for uh, you know change there is different from chain in Revelation mm-hmm. 20, I was I was mm-hmm. I was thinking that uh, maybe you were onto something when you said that the chain and Revelation twenty was uh, was a uh, symbolic.
1: Well, that that was actually what I was reading in Second Peter two four, because of the context. The it would be chains of darkness. Well, how did uh-huh. how do how do you have chains of darkness? The implication is that darkness somehow is binding them. But what does that mean? And so this is it's that's what I'm saying it's really intriguing. I've never seen that before. So figuratively in, in Revelation twenty. Uh, when it says key to the abyss and the great chain in his hand chains as in chains for the hands and feet manacles or shackles is how that's used and so it's talking about literal chains I mean the actual chain word but excuse me but you know obviously it's it's a literal chain used of a figurative something so it's a figurative use of the term chain is what it comes down to so uh, I'm reading some more shut up in prison, but chaining their right arm to the left arm of the soldier who guarded them and that, that's what the word chain there is. So anyway, so uh, John is using the term in Revelation 20, and you're right, it is a different word. Uh, I think the the word in um, in 2 Peter 2 four, I think it's really interesting why it says that pits of darkness versus chains, uh, of of darkness, pits of darkness, chains of gloomy darkness, chains of darkness. You want me to give you one
2: more uh, interesting verse before I go? Sure,
1: sure. This is fun. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Um. So, do you remember when I called you a few weeks ago and I told you about the uh, guy who said that a guy gave him uh, visions of hell? You know, you know, being locked up in a in a, in a prison cell in hell.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um. Uh, 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 He actually gives uh, several Bible verses for it, Because I actually went back and watched his video So I'm I'm, uh, going to give you one Uh, You can go to Isaiah 24, 21, and 22
1: Okay, so it will happen in that day That the Lord will punish the host of heaven on high And the kings of the earth on high They will be gathered together like prisoners in the dungeon And will be confined in prison, okay And after many days they will be punished, okay yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so you
2: know, I, I could see that,
1: but uh, you know, makes, I'm cautious about interpreting it that way. But anyway, I see see what he's saying. Go ahead.
2: There's 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 others though too. It's not it's not it's not just that one
1: though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Uh, here's the thing: we know that the wicked are going to be cast into the lake of fire. If they're in a prison cell, is the prison cell cast in the lake of fire? Or are they removed from a prison cell in the afterlife and then cast in? We know that in Luke 16, 19-31, Lazarus and the rich man, he wasn't in any kind of container. So we don't see that kind of a thing. So when it says here in Isaiah 24-22, uh, So what will happen in that day, Lord will punish the host of heaven on high and the kings of the earth. Uh, they will be gathered together like it says like prisoners, so uh, like prisoners in the dungeon and will be confined in prison, and after many days they'll be punished. so is a prison a literal prison, or is it a, a restriction confinement of less of freedom and he's using an analogy that's the question I would ask at that point and start to study it and see you
2: know read the uh, read the uh, ESV version the the e s v version makes it sound like it is a literal prison.
1: Okay, let me get over to it. Let's see. Uh, let's see where we can do that one. Oh, I know what we'll do. All right, Isaiah. So you think... Twenty. Come on. 21 20, 20, uh, and 2. Okay. ESV, they'll be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They'll be shut up in a prison. After many days, they'll be punished. Uh, that's verse 22 or 21. Oh, that was twenty-two. Okay. So, uh, if you go to the previous verse, the ESV says, "On the day the Lord will punish the host of heaven and heaven, the kings of the earth on the earth." Yeah. So, anyway, what? what so, this guy is saying that that means that when you die, the bad people go into a prison cell.
2: Oh, uh, not not all of them. Uh, he was because because uh, uh, he he pointed the verse out where uh, Jesus said that they will receive greater damnation. So he was just getting at there's. You know different levels of torment and uh yeah, and i uh, uh, point out that that, uh, that verse and uh and uh, many other verses to uh to a point to the uh, prison cells of hell but but uh but uh what, what he teaches is, is that is that the current place of hell now where where there's prison cells and there's also fire in hell as well he said he said he saw people burning down there too uh that that, that place is the current hell which is going to be thrown into the lake of fire like uh, revelation i think it's 2015 that
1: says that or something like that hmm. yeah you know what's, what's actually interesting is i've been uh, paying attention a little bit more online on youtube to MDEs, uh near-death experiences uh, they're just kind of started popping up and i started watching a few and there are some wacko ones you know they're you know the ethereal presence of oneness with the universe you know they're being deceived obviously and you don't find too many uh, about uh, d- bad situations. Usually it's really good. Everything's good. And so I'm going to start finding the ones where they say, he was bad. He <laughs> was horrible. I want to see what the commonalities are between them. And the only reason I will even entertain that possibility is because of 2 Corinthians twelve two through 4, which where Paul says, I know a man 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but such a man was caught up in the third heaven and he saw things, etc. So it looks like uh, uh, it might be Paul who was stoned, and he talked about himself. That's one of the commentary's theories. But nevertheless, in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but he was alive, and he went someplace. So I think that's sufficient evidence to say there's an NDE. I mean, we continue on after death, and I don't see any reason why people can't actually experience certain things and then uh, report them back uh. So uh, that's why I'm interested in that more and more. So there are definitely degrees of punishment. People do describe horrendous stuff. In fact, one of the, I'll just, I'm rambling here a little bit quickly, but one of the things I read once in a book on NDEs was a, the ER uh, a particular ER doctor had never had any experiences with this before and was in ER and giving CPR, doing chest compressions on a guy. And he was he was gone and you're just you know boom boom just working on trying to bring him back. And he said that this guy woke up and was screaming and grabbed the doctor by the smock, was yelling, Don't let me die, I'm in hell yelling and screaming. Uh. And he died. Oh, yeah. Scary uh. stuff. Hey, you wanna hold on? Because we got a break. You hey, hold on there if he wants to go or not. Four open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back.
0: It's Matt Slick Live! Taking your calls at 877-207-2276.
1: Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the last segment of... The show let's see if elijah's still on yep i guess he is hey you still there
2: yep i'm still here
1: all right man yeah see interesting conversation man i like where one thing leads to another to another i enjoy that but at any rate i don't know if i answered your original question or what the issue was but uh i've been enjoying our conversation
2: yeah um if you if you you want i can i can uh Re resend you the video of his uh, testimony because I think I sent it. To sure. you, but I'm not sure if you got email. Okay,
1: yeah, we have. Sure. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I have it. thousands, I have thousands of emails. But uh, seriously, I've just wiped out so many. But yeah, send it to me. See if you can check it out. I, I like NDE stories, and I'm checking them out. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll send it to you immediately after this. And and and, and uh, before I go, uh, I, I, I just found one more verse for prison cells in hell. This is Proverbs seven twenty seven. And, you
1: uh, know, uh, you can read that. Okay. Yeah, let's check things out. All right, man.
2: All right. Appreciate Have it. Have a good one, next
1: week. You too. God bless. All right. Okay. Four open lines, Eight seven seven Let's get to Armando from Florida. Hey, Armando. Hope the storm's not wiping you out out there. You're welcome. You're on the No,
0: air. sir. Well, thank you, sir. I want to know, what's the proper context, understanding of Matthew 7,
1: one. Do not judge that you'll not be judged. For the way that you judge, you'll be judged by your standards of measure. So the, what you understand is that what he's talking about is the Jews, because he's talking here in the uh, the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are generic principles of, of behavior and belief that we're to have. The Jews were very judgmental people because they had the law, the oracles of God. And so they were very judgmental, very judgmental. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 2. So what Jesus is saying is saying, don't judge lest you're going to be judged. Uh, And the way that you judge, you're going to be judged. That's what he's saying. It uh, doesn't mean we can't make spiritual judgments, because spiritual judgments, out of 1 Corinthians 2.15, for example, if someone's murdering, we could say, hey, you're wrong for doing that. That is a spiritual judgment, and we're judging the person. You are wrong. You're in sin. We can certainly do that, and the Bible supports that. So what Jesus is talking about is the general idea of the Jews who were awfully condemning of the Gentiles and other people because they were self-righteous. Don't judge, Okay. The, do not judge. So you'll not be judged, because by the standard that you judge, you're going to be judged yourself. So if you're saying you're keeping the law and you don't, you're in trouble, buddy. And this is the, what's basically going on, okay?
0: Okay. I can hear some people say the, also that the only Jesus and God has to ultimate judge who goes to hell, who goes to heaven, right? No preacher can say who goes to heaven and no, who, who, who goes to yeah. hell,
1: right? Right, we don't have the authority to condemn anybody, but we have the authority to pronounce condemnation upon people. But you see, mm-hmm. if someone is saying Jesus is not God, for example, well, then I can say, look, if you continue to deny that, or to affirm that Jesus is not God, and you, you deny who he is, you're on your way to hell. I can't call you rudder right now. You're in a state of damnation. I'm not judging their, mm-hmm. them. And as I say to people, I'll say, I'm informing you of the situation. I'm not making a judgment. I'm repeating to you what Jesus has said. Jesus said in John 8, 24, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So what I do is I inform people. You're judging me. Nope. Judgment belongs to God. I'm informing you about this. And I will make spiritual judgments. And I will tell you that as long as you continue to deny him, you are going to go to hell. You need to repent. This is not me being mean. It's me informing you. And that's how I handle it with them.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you, sir.
1: All right. Anything else?
0: That's it. Thank you. A lot of people like to, you know, use the number one verse, mostly unbelievers, to justify, you know, so nobody can't judge them at all. Anyway. You right. and we say, God. Yeah.
1: Well, a lot of times when right, unbelievers you. when unbelievers use the verse, and I'll say, hey, did you hear that? You know, they'll quote, you know, and I'll say, they'll say, hear what? I'll say, well, you know, like a verse being ripped out of context. Because, you know, you guys don't understand the context. Let's talk. <laughs> so I have a little bit of fun with them. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, you, All right man. Thank God bless.
3: God
1: okay. That was Armando from Florida. And we have nobody waiting. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. You know, this reminds me. There's a particular verse, uh, John 20, that are used that is used by people. In this issue of judgment, when, you know, Matthew 7, 1 don't judge lest you be judged in verse 7-2 that you'll be judged by the way that you judge others. So this is why you have to be careful how you judge people. And we are, like I said, we can make spiritual judgments. Now can we then pronounce judgment on someone? Yes, we can. If what we're doing is informing them about what God has already revealed. We're not condemning. We're telling them they're condemned. That's what we're doing. So, I can connect the dots, but I want to just jump over to this verse, John 20, 23. The Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox like to use this a lot. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. And what they want to say is that the priests have the authority to make the judgment. They can judge people. They can forgive their sins and pronounce forgiveness and not forgiveness. They actually have the authority to actually do that. That's what they're going to say. And I tell them, I said, look what the verse says. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. Now, have been forgiven is interesting because what it's saying is they've already been forgiven because have been forgiven in the Greek is the perfect tense. Now this is important because the perfect tense, for example, here's present tense, I eat. The perfect tense is I have eaten. The plu perfect is I had eaten. So when I say I eat in the present tense, it's just an occurrence now. If I say I have eaten, it's an action in the past that continues in the present. You can say I have eaten. Doesn't mean you stopped. But to say, I had eaten, or I had walked, or I had thought about it, means that it was a past action completed in the past. We're perfect tense, a past action continuing in the present. And this is a perfect tense, a past action continuing in the present. If you forgive the sins, their sins have been forgiven. That means it's already done in the past and going on now. So... This is an issue that's really important because the Catholics, when they quote this, they don't quote this. Their sins—it says if you—they uh, don't quote it accurately. If your sins are forgiven, they are forgive; then they're forgiven them. Does not say that? It says in the Greek they have been forgiven, and they, they like to skip that part. If you retain their sins, they have been retained. So what's going on? They are not pronouncing the actual act of forgiveness as if they have authority to do it, but they are pronouncing what has already occurred informing that's what's going on in john twenty twenty three. furthermore if it's the case as the catholics like to say that the priests give the, have the have the opportunity or the ability to forgive sins then i have a question is jesus then obligated to forgive sin if the priest declares it if the priest declares them to be forgiven does jesus got to come through and say okay i got to forgive him now because the priest said so because he's got authority what if there's a mistake from the priest where he forgives someone, but it's not the will of God, Christ to do so? These are questions we have to talk about and ask, etc., etc. Let's get to Amor, and uh, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, hey,
2: my regular caller. I have not mm-hmm. spoken for a while, but I think I, I will be maybe your last caller here. I'm glad you're okay. about Catholics and everything that's related to my questions, and I mm-hmm. have a family that are still Catholic, Roman Catholic. So, make direct to the question: uh, If the Roman Catholic uh, people <laughs> they acknowledge also the Trinity Jesus is the only way, etc etc uh, But the other hand, they still go and worship or pray for Mary, the Pope, and all those things. Uh, saying, is that is stopping them to go to heaven?
1: Yes, it stops them. Yes, they believe in the Trinity, and they, the Catholic Church has a very good understanding and teaching on the Trinity. It does. But they deny the, the true gospel, and they are idolaters. So they deny the true gospel that we're justified by faith alone in Christ alone. Paragraph 2068 of the Catech. Twenty-sixty-eight of the Catholic because Catechism st- says that you obtain salvation by faith, baptism, and the observance of the commandments. So they teach a false gospel, okay?
2: Yeah, because they acknowledge they believe in Christ is the only way, the Trinity, but yes, again, they do. At the same time, they go and pray for Mary and
1: Pope mm-hmm. and the saints, yep. so that prevent them to go to heaven. Well, what they do with Mary, incidentally, is raise her to the functioning level of a goddess. Now they'll say she's not a goddess, but I'll say, well, look, does Mary hear millions of prayers simultaneously all over the earth in different languages, both thought and spoken, and she knows the intention of the hearts of the people are praying? And the Catholics will say, well, yes. I say, well, there you go. Yeah. She's a functioning goddess. No, she's not a goddess. And they just, you know, it's just uh, it's called cognitive dissonance on their part. They can't see the problem. Yeah, that's what it is. It's also called lameism. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. All right, man. Thanks. God bless. Appreciate it. All right. Since I have uh, stuff up here uh, on my file on Mary, you know, we'll just kind of end with that a little bit. Check this out. In paragraph 971, it says devotion to Mary expresses, uh, it says, the liturgical feasts dedicated to the Mother of God and Marian prayer, such as the Rosary, uh, an epitome of the Gospel, express this devotion to Mary. Uh, In uh, paragraph 2677, they say, you entrust our cares to Mary. In 2677, you ask Mary to pray for you. So they pray to Mary, okay? And they call her the All-Holy One, uh, let's see, she is the perfect prayer, the one who prays, a figure of the church. When we pray to her, we're adhering with her to the plan of the Father. Paragraph 279. 20- in paragraph 971, it says the liturgical feast dedicated to the Mother of God and Mary in prayer, such as the Rosary, are an epitome of the whole gospel. It's ridiculous. Mary is worshipped. This is Vatican Council 2, page 420. When she marries a subject of preaching and a worship, she prompts a faithful to come to her son. And I love this one. Paragraph 972, I ask Catholics. I say, do you agree with this? After speaking of the church, her origin, mission, and destiny, we can find no better way to conclude by, than by looking to Mary. I say, do you agree with that? Paragraph 972 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And they say, yes. I say, so the, the best way... The best way is to look to Mary, not Jesus, right? After speaking of the church, her origin, the mission, and the destiny of the church. The best way to look is to Mary, not Jesus. Wow. It's it, To me, it's just blatant idolatry. How about paragraph 2677? By entrusting ourselves to her prayer. We abandon ourselves to the will of God together with her by entrusting ourselves to her prayer. I don't trust myself to Mary's prayer, I trust myself to Jesus. Um, how about this? Uh, let's see. Uh, how about, let's see. She's Immaculate Conception. Mary is the All Holy One. I won't read all the locations. Oh, we're out of time. I get this paragraph of stuff about her. You won't believe what they say. It's idolatry. Anyway, folks, there you go. Call
0: back tomorrow.
1: We can talk about Catholicism. I can tell you stuff you've never heard before. Oh, my goodness, it's bad news. Hey, we're out of time. May the Lord bless you. Have a great evening, everybody. God bless.
3: Another program powered by The Truth Network.